So if you have your Bible, go with me to 1 John uh, chapter 3. So we're going to go um, back to what we've been studying. I mean, I don't know if I can get this to switch. We'll see if we can get it to switch. But sometimes me and computers don't like each other. But I'm going to take you back uh, uh, to a study of 1 John. We're going to kind of keep on going through 1 John. I want to finish that uh, as, a, as a family so that as you uh, go, to the, go to the book of 1 John, you'll have some information that um, you have written in your Bible. You've kind of been through the book, so you have uh, kind of understanding or some verses that mean something to you. So if you have your Bible in your 1 John in, in uh, chapter 3, uh, realize if you're coming to uh, the book of 1 John, there's a couple of things that are just kind of an overall theme, the basis of fellowship. So as John is writing to that group, now, you know, it's been maybe 60 years after the death, bound resurrection of Christ. So some things that are starting to change within the church. There's persecution that's going to take place. There's going to be a new thought process. Well, we think this is how you get eternal life, or we think this is what salvation is. And so God is going to use John and the Holy Spirit to write to a group of believers saying, okay, here's some things that you need to hold on to even though things are changing around you. And so as John writes to them through the power of the Holy Spirit, he wants to remind them that salvation is only found. So the basis to be part of the family of God is only found in Christ alone, nothing more, nothing less. So he's going to go back over, which we have seen in the beginning. Okay, what is the gospel? What is forgiveness? What does that all look like? And so John was very clear about that. And then also, because they're part of a fellowship, then there's going to be behavior that's different. Now, it's not, okay, behave this way and you are a Christian. Some of us grew up in that, you know, in, in, in Indiana. You know, I would be a, considered a sinner this morning because I've been lazy and I haven't got my hair cut. It's touching my ear, and so I am going to... Uh, hell because my, my hair is touching my ear. That's the church I grew up in. Um, they want us to be involved. They wanted to, to say, okay, this is what it looks like. We didn't go to the movie theaters. You know, they're, they're working on our behavior, saying, don't go to the movie theaters. If you go to the movie theater, you're a sinner. Well, what, a, what happens if we sit at home and watch Dukes of Hazard? What's the difference? What, nobody said anything about that. Nobody, nobody challenges, hey, what are you watching while you're at home? And so the focus was, it wasn't, oh, because I am a Christian, because of, I've come to the cross, Christ alone, nothing more, nothing less, he will then transform your life. And the behavior is the outflow of what Christ is doing. It's the outflow of the gospel impacting me today. And I pray as you sing songs and you see things, you know, the name of Jesus, I hope it means more to you today than it ever did 20 years ago. I hope you can go back and say, wow, I have a reason to sing. This is what Christ has done in my life over the years. There it is. I'm excited about you because there's power living inside of me. And it's not me. It's the gospel in me. And so as John writes, he knows that there's going to be changes and there's going to be struggles and there's going to be a world that's going to put pressure on those who are Christians. And the temptation will be, well, if the world's changing, we should change. Well, if they think this is what salvation is, maybe we should think the same thing. No, that's not how it works. The Word of God is here and for John's day so that as the world changed, those believers could navigate truth. 
They didn't have to be afraid. They didn't have to be overwhelmed. This is what John has taught us. This is God's word for us today. So as John's going to write in here, you're going to see by this we will know. The first thing that I want you to look at is if you have your Bible, go with me to 1 John chapter 3, and we're going to pick it up in 11 uh, through 15. So let's just, I'm going to read 11 through 15, and then I'm going to kind of go back over some things that have just been a blessing to me, and I hope it'll be a blessing to you as well. So if you have your Bible, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 11. For this is the message that we've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not abide in death, whoever does not love abides in death. Sorry about that. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So as we get started, and as John is reminding this group of believers, I want you to see some things. The first thing that I want you to see in in verse 11, and this is the message that you've heard from the beginning. Okay, what has been from the beginning? So Jesus is involved in ministry. What has been from the beginning? People mattered to Jesus. And it wasn't the ones that most of us would have expected. And so I want to show you a couple passages of Scripture that will just kind of be able to take your mind back and say, okay, people did matter from Jesus. That's from the beginning. I was thinking about John chapter 1 and verse 35. I was thinking about when Jesus was going to go choose his disciples he didn't go to the, to the academy and say, okay, these are, the, these are the greatest leaders ever on this earth. I'm going to choose them. He went and chose fishermen, and he said to them, guys, I will, very important, make you fishers of men. And so Jesus was going to enter in with them in a journey. Let's walk with me, guys. And I'm going to show you what this looks like. I'm going to take you through storms. I'm going to let you watch Peter walk on water. You're going to be part of Peter denying me. You're going to see an ear get whacked off. But I want you to know, in the beginning, from the beginning, I chose the disciples. Another thing that's really interesting is out of John chapter 4, the woman at the well. As we think about Jesus and people mattering to Jesus, it, it'll be a lot of fun. Go through the gospel and go look everywhere he went. And most of the time, none of us probably would ever went there. Because we would have been wrapped up in what society said. Well, she's, she's you, nope, nope, you can't go over there. You can't talk to her. So as he's interacting with the woman at the well, he's not just thinking about the woman at the well, he's thinking about the village. If I interact with this woman, if they know that people matter to me, then they're going to, and what happened? Lives were changed in the village. Another really interesting one is the feeding of the 5,000 in John chapter 6. So can you imagine, you're going to feed 5,000 people, but there's going to be a lot more people there. You know what's interesting to me? I wonder, I, mean, I don't know, I wonder, of those people that were there, how many will we see in heaven one day? 
How many of them not only got their bellies filled with food miraculously, and not only however many thousand were there, oh, that's the leftovers. How many of them had an aha moment and said, yeah, you are the one. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to allow your words to matter to me. What you say, because you've impacted my life by just giving me some food, I'm yours. The other thing that's interesting, how many thousands will not be in heaven? But that didn't matter to Jesus. He came, he met their need. He wanted them to know that they mattered. He didn't make them puppets. He didn't force them into salvation. But those people mattered to him. So as you look at 1 John chapter 3.11, verse 11 now, so people mattered and then he says something I think it's really interesting. We should love one another. Now, I don't know about you, but I find this really interesting. It's interesting to me that John has to tell the believers of the day that they should love one another. I don't understand that. That's just a foreign concept into my world. John, what, what something's going on in John's group, in that church, in the, in the family of God, that John had to say, we, the ones who have received Christ's love, you're telling us we have to love one another? And so this morning, as you look at this passage of, of Scripture, and you kind of see, okay, John is saying to this group, all right, I want you to know something. He will be there from the beginning, and he's reminding them that they should love one another. Now, what's interesting is he didn't describe love right away, did he? He didn't say to this group that's listening to him or this group that he's going to leave behind, here's God's word. Okay, by the way, love looks like this, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He didn't do that. He said, this is what it doesn't look like. It does not look like Cain and Abel. That's murder. Now, I was doing some reading, and so... I was looking at Walvard and Zuck. It's one of the commentaries that I, that, I would, that I like to read. And so they brought this up, and I hadn't thought about this before, but it's kind of interesting. John touched on a sensitive nerve. Since hatred toward another Christian is often prompted by feeling guilty of one's own life as compared with that person. So is John possibly saying that there's hatred in this family? Well, I don't like that person because they're living more righteous than me. So I hate that person. I don't know. It's a very interesting thought that there's something stirring in, in this early church just 60 years after, hey, I want you to know what the basis of this, it's Christ alone, nothing more, nothing less, but there's an undertow. There's hatred. And he reminds them of this, the whole thing with Cain and Abel, and he reminds them that Abel's deeds were righteous. Hmm. So Cain killed Abel because Abel's deeds were righteous. So I want you to just, I'm going to leave with you that. I'll let you ponder that a little bit. I want you to go on to this next part. Drop down with me.
to verse 13. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. So just stop there. So in verse 13, John is reminding them again. I mean, he's gonna, he said something to them in over in John, 1 John chapter 2, uh, in verse 15. He's reminding them that the world system is against you. So you can look at that in 1 John chapter 2, 15 through 17. So John's reminding this, this group of believers, okay, this is how I become part of the fellowship. And because I'm part of this fellowship, because I'm clinging to Christ alone, because I'm going to be an individual that wants to love the brother, that is not how the world operates. The world operates with instant gratification. Now, I'm not sure how many people were sitting and reading these words as John has left this on, saying, you know what? I'm one of those people that would call myself a Christian, but right now I'm just looking for instant gratification. I don't like that person over there. Well, they're, they're kind of an annoying to me. Well, you know, I don't really hate them, but, you know, just wonder how many people, after they spent some time looking through the book of 1 John, said, you know what? I probably need to reconsider my behavior. Maybe I need to go have a little meeting with Jesus and sit down and say, wait a second. I recognize that the world hates me. And I, and I know this is really kind of weird for us. This is like we're entering into a new phase of the church in America that we are going to be ultimately Dislike. Just get ready for that and don't panic. If the world doesn't hate us, then something's wrong. So if you if you go to where Crystal is, there's there's not a popularity. You say, Oh, yeah, we love Christianity. Come, no, let's destroy it. It's a Muslim country. They don't want a church, they don't want the gospel to be talked about, they don't want Christ alone. And we kind of expect that over there. We need to be prepared. It's moving here. Sooner than later. And so we, instead of retaliating, instead of, okay, we just, we're going to love you. Instead of being overwhelmed or being afraid, expect. John's telling this group, I expect the world to hate you. Now, that's really interesting. We know, so there's a really interesting there in verse 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we have this experience that I've asked Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. Because that I went to church. Because I recited a prayer. Because I memorized a verse. Because I know certain things about the scriptures. That is not what John said. And none is, that, I'm not saying that any of that stuff is wrong. But love is one of the most difficult things to do unconditionally. And so and if you read in 1 John that the world hates you, and you look at verse 14, John is not writing this to cause judgment to fall on your heart. Don't get that. 
But I want you to read what I was looking at, a Moody commentary and a MacArthur commentary. We have passed from death to life. Moody shares, John's point is not so much if you do not love your brothers that you're not saved. But because you love fellow Christians, then you know that you are saved. MacArthur puts it this way. This phrase highlights the habit of love displayed by those possessing the new nature. So what's the new nature? The gospel. It's not people's works. It's the gospel. It's the power that's been deposited in my life to make radical life change. So the new nature, Jesus. Love is not merely an optional duty for someone claiming to be a Christian. Love is not merely an optional duty for someone claiming to be a Christian. But proof positive that one truly has been born again. John's saying, when I come to know Christ, or this group comes, okay, basis is demonstrated in behavior. They go together. It's not lordship. It's not an experiential thing. It's because of what Christ is in my life. I want a relationship with the people that are around me. Because of what Christ has done. So if you think about these words, go back to to chapter 3 and verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. John's day, there's something going on that the Christians were not loving each other. So he dresses it. Because of who the Father is in your life, you can love the other. And so before you leave, I want you to hear these words in verse 15. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. That's John's words to that group of believers. You hate your brother... Christianity, Christ's love, how how does that all work? It's not abiding in him. So this morning, as you look at these passages of Scripture, you see two things. This is a message from the beginning, so we want to be aware of that. John's reminding the group of believers, okay? From the beginning, this is who Christ is. And Christ is the individual that over his ministry, he moved toward every single person. He was not a respecter of person. He welcomed all those people. And so John is reminded this group, all right, this is the message from the beginning. People matter. We should love one another. That should be demonstrated amongst this, the church families around America, around the world. There's something different here. What? 
Christ is in me, Christ is in you. I want a relationship with you. I want to love that person well. But also, be very careful that you're not the individual that just picks out, well, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, and you don't pick out 1 John where you're called to love your brother. Christianity is not an opportunity. Well, I picked this verse, I picked this verse, I picked this verse. Christianity is submitting myself to the power inside of me to walk in obedience to this word. So what is John saying to you this morning? People matter. God, John is saying to you, don't be a respecter of persons. John is saying to us, the world's going to hate us. We shouldn't be overwhelmed by that. But also John is saying, a Christian is an individual who does not hate his brother. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, my TV's off, my news is off, and I know there's a lot of things that are going on. And so as all this stuff goes on, I want to call us back to the Scriptures. I want to call us back to the Gospel. So, okay, Jesus, that person is that, that person is that, but you've called me to love that person. Not seeing who they are or what economic status they have. Somebody gave $20,000 online last weekend. I don't know who you are, but we say thank you. I'm not going to go ask, you know, Linda, Linda, can you tell me who that person is? I just want to take them to lunch. You know, I don't, no, I'm not going to do all those things. I'm not going to be a respecter of persons because some may never have the opportunity to give $20,000, but they might be able to give $25. All right, Lord, thank you. We're going to move forward. So here you are in a small town in central Florida. John's words are left for you today. You will either humble yourself before the scriptures and say, okay, I need to ask myself some questions. Do people matter to me? Am I a respecter of persons? If you want to have some fun, go spend some time in James. Showing no partiality. Then once I get to that place, okay, so I've sat with that. Sit still. Don't make excuses. Don't whine when, you get the, when, when some things come to you. Just say, okay, I hear your voice. I'm humbling myself under your authority. Do I show a respecter of persons? Is there somebody in our family that I, quote unquote, dislike? Father, would you help me in that process? Father, would you help me love people well? Because I know something that's true. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. He wrote that to church people. He wrote that to people that said, you know what, I want to be part of this family because of a salvation 
in Christ alone, nothing more, nothing less. So, Father, I thank you for some time around your word today. Thank you for leaving some words to John. And, Father, I don't know who, after reading these words in John's day, went home and said, okay, either I need to reevaluate my salvation or I need to appropriate some power and humble myself and say, okay, look, I'm not doing well with respecting people. I'm not loving people. And so, Father, would you help me? I'm not sure how many people came and confessed to you that they were living in sin because they did not love their brothers. I don't know. But I pray, Father, that we would have just our time with you and ask ourselves some hard questions, that we would transition from the John 3.16 church goer to the first John chapter three follower of our Savior and our King. And not because that we're special, but because we, the power of God is being unleashed inside of who we are through the gospel. And our lives are being changed miraculously from the inside out, not seven steps to loving people, but just knowing who our Father is and never getting over the thought that you wanted a relationship with us, and may that humble us to want relationships with other people. May that remind us that you are no respecter of persons. May that call us to love people well. May that bring us to our knees when there is hatred in our heart. We have to fall before you and ask for forgiveness. So, Father, your word's here, and I don't know what it needs to do in individuals I want to surrender myself to you, asking you to continue to work in my life to not showing partiality, to not be concerned that the world hates me, to wanting to know what you want, to surrendering or humbling myself to your word to be authoritative in my life. I want to hear you speak, and when I read your word, I hear your voice. Sometimes it's really encouraging, and sometimes it's hard, but continue that process in my life. May we be a family that knows your word and surrenders and submits to it. It's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you and have a great day. Thank you for being with us.